This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This podcast is sponsored by Empower Your Reality. It's an online university and also a one-on-one and group coaching business that's there to help enlighten, to raise the consciousness, and help the individual truly thrive in every area of their life. We have a new online class that is now available called Life Mastery. And what this five-week course is all about is teaching you the rules of life, uh, how to create life mastery in your life, how to become the master of your life to thrive and create all that you desire. In this five-week course, we dive deep into spiritual laws, universal laws, quantum physics, neurology, functional neurology, to back up all the concepts that we bring to the table to give you a platform to utilize and to really help grow and expand. Right now, we have a ton of amazing bonuses that are going on while you sign up for the class, and we even offer a two-week money-back guarantee if you don't like the program. 
To check out more about it, go to www.empoweryourreality.com. Now, back to the show. Well, Shu, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Vic. Thanks so much for having me today. I think we're going to have a lot of fun here in the discussion, as we were just discussing a little bit before starting this recording. I think there's some good stuff to get into, and I'm excited for the listeners to share and to hear about your story and, and, and how you did something totally different than traditional, uh, which I'm a big fan of. I, I, some people will say I'm a rebel in some ways, and I, I am a rebel in some ways, because um, I don't like going down the same path and how why we should do things. I always like to challenge and ask questions and understand the why behind it, and if it makes sense and I like it, then I'll go forth. But if not, I'm going to be like, forget that. I'm going to do this instead. Um, so I'm excited. So well, I'm not even going to waste time. Can you share a little bit of your story of how you got into what you're doing? What inspired you? What kind of made that shift in learning process along the way to get to where you are in your life now and doing what you do in the book and all these amazing things? Awesome. Well, thank you again. And uh, so to talk a little bit about myself, my name is Shu Matsuo Post. I am a husband. 
a brand new father. I just became a father uh, a couple months ago. Um, thank you. And um, author of my first book, uh, which is called I Took Her Name. So the story is um, when my wife and I got married about three years ago, we decided to combine our last names. So I'm originally from Japan and we actually live in Tokyo um, or in the States uh, today. Um, but we got married in the US and we decided to combine our last names and we went to the city hall and um, signed the paperwork and it was super quick. It was very easy. And I thought I would be able to do the same thing back in my home country, Japan. Um, little did I know when I went to the city hall, uh, the man was like, no, you can't do that. You know, in Japan, you can't combine your last names with your spouse or um, you can have separate last names. So legally, it's actually true. So system systematically, systemically, um, it's harder as a couple, you have to have the same last name. And what ends up happening is that most of the times it's women uh, who end up taking the man's name. Um, actually, 94% of the time. And I actually didn't know that fact. Um, so I was uh, one of a fewer Japanese men who um, changed to their name and got to experience the whole name changing process. I actually had to go to the family court because um, I needed to get approval um, to combine or change my name and stuff. And, you know, that's when I realized that, wow, um, there is a lot of gender inequality uh, in in my country that where I grew up and what else is out there. And I started to do more research and um, I realized that um, I didn't realize how much this world, this society was tilted in men's favor. Um, so that's kind of got my research started. And um, yeah, I decided to write my, it, it was kind of like journal. I started, it started a journal and um, and I became more of a, more than a journal and, and I decided to actually share this message, uh, with the world because it really helped me, um, uh, live the life that I wanted to live because I now embrace my vulnerability. Um, and I feel like I found my authenticity through this experience. So I wrote a book, um, and it launched on December 1st. Congrats. That's awesome. I know how it feels to write your first book. It's so exciting in so many ways. Um, with all that, I mean, you know, we do live in a, a male dominant world, right? And it's, it's one of the things that I've seen too in my own life where uh, a lot of times where even if you look at like, I grew up Roman Catholic, Italian, Italian Roman Catholic. So you always hear, you know, God is he and this and that, which he has a, a, a maternal or I'm sorry, maternal, uh, paternal energy to it, which is true. But we always thought it was a man and we always say that. And, uh, it, and then you look at other aspects of life, it's always, you know, male this way, they're the, you know, they're the, the top and this and that versus when you look at um, in life and just like what you went through in Japan, how no woman can't, you can't take the woman's last name. It's the man, the man's you got to take. And that's just how it goes. And this is what we've done. And I've learned along early on that like, it's never, you know, there's always like, you know, why do we have an Apple phone and an Android phone and possibly there's other ones, but let's say those are the main and there's other ways of doing things and other ways you can communicate on a phone and there's different brands, but these are the fast adopting and this is what became the norm. And once it becomes the norm, that becomes life. And then we all accept it as is blindly without ever challenging it. Does that sound about right for you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I, I used to think manhood was supposed to be a certain way, right? Men don't cry don't show emotion in public and, you know, be successful at everything. We're not everything. And, 
um, be dominant, you know, aggressive. And, you know, some of those are beautiful qualities. And I'm, I'm not saying like, you know, you got to be the opposite of that, um, you know, um, but it doesn't have to be all that way all the time. You know, they're the feminine, the traditionally, quote unquote, I'm doing the air quotes, traditionally feminine uh, qualities such as, you know, empath, empath, being empathetic, um, be a good listener, nurturing, caring, you know, all those are great qualities. And it doesn't have to be um, just masculine or feminine or men or women to embrace those uh, great qualities. No, it's so true. And I'm assuming, I don't know a lot about the Japanese culture. I know a little bit, not too much. Uh, I can relate to an Italian culture on this, but um, where it is that, you know, you have the man who should not cry who, because crying is weakness. Would, would that be kind of correct a little bit? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I know in the Italian culture, I grew up that way and that's how it was. I was taught a man shouldn't cry, shouldn't show emotions, whatever happens in your life, get through it. Don't, you, ain't get, you don't do that stuff. You do this instead. And uh, I grew up in that realm. And it was interesting because uh, growing up being a kid, I'm very, I was very emotional. Mm-hmm. I wanted to express my emotions and I didn't know I couldn't in a sense, because I, if I did try, I was taught, nope, that's weakness. You don't do that. And all the men I grew up with would never show their, they would never show their tears. They would never show weakness. They would always do it in confinement in a way to where they wouldn't express themselves. Um, do you think that, uh, and I, I you know, what, what do, you, do you see masculinity changing form? Or in the essence, do you see men starting to become and shift into a different realm? Like we're waking up into a different era. And what I mean by that is this. Um, I, I grew up, again, man, what is a man? Well, let me ask you these questions instead of me expressing what do you, the what was your belief system and what you taught the modeling and everything in your life uh, how a man should be now we talked a little bit about emotionally but can we get into things like if you don't mind sharing like when it comes to duties of the house when it comes to um who provides who doesn't all that type of stuff if you don't mind sharing a little bit yeah absolutely um you know that like there's like the man box that we're kind of trapped in. And in that man box, you know, I talked about being stoic, you know, being also being aggressive, having total control, um, getting through pain, um, you know, and not seek help, um, all that kind of stuff. And talking about household work or just work in general, you know, I, I, um, my parents are super open about um, everything, even though they're all, um, they grow, grew up in Japan and they've never left Japan. Um, but they're very accepting to, you know, me living abroad, um, and marrying a foreign national. Um, and yet, you know, what I saw growing up was my dad was the, the bread, sole breadwinner of our household. Um, my mom stayed at home and took care of us. And I'm so grateful that all that they did. Um, but that's all I saw. Like all my friends, parents did the exact same thing. So I didn't know anything other than that. Right. I didn't know if uh, the opposite could be possible or any other way was possible. Right. So, you know, I grew up thinking, all right, I'm a man. I need to be successful in my career, whatever the career I choose to be. And I need to make um, money to provide for family. And when I have a family, you know, I got to work extra hard because now I, I got an extra uh, extra mouth to feed and all that stuff. So, you know, those are the the beliefs that I had, the system that I belief system that I had growing up. 
and I can I can totally relate. Right, man's the provider. This is what he does. My dad would look work long hours, come home. Mom would cook, clean, clean up the house, take care of everything, and he would just provide. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I only asked that question too because I grew up. You know, I, I grew up with that. But then I became. They have some. I don't know if you ever heard the term called the modern man now. Mm-hmm. And it's like it, it's not the way it used to be now. Because I remember one time we were having some construction done in our house. And I had some people coming by and doing it. Um, they they were friends of my dad. And, and long story short, um, they're they're raised in the old school ways, right? Men, this is what men do. This is what mm-hmm. women do, and that's the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, we I was making some food, and I'm like, all right, I gotta go clean up the dishes really quick. And they're like, do what? And I was like, I gotta go wash the dishes. And they're like, that's what your wife does. And I was like. <laughs> this is a different household, my friend. And it's not because of my wife being a certain way. It's, yeah. it's from shifting from, no, I'm man, I do this, yeah. you know, traditional thinking to more of how are we as a team? Mm-hmm. How do we work as a team, right? I and, love that. And, and if you ever played sports, you know that each – you, is there a sport that you like that you grew up with at all or anything like that? I played baseball growing up. Awesome. What position? I had all kinds. Uh, pitcher, third baseman, short, uh, uh, shortstop. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. I used to, mm-hmm. I was an outfielder, played baseball for 25 years. I did pitching for a little bit too, but mm-hmm. um, big fan of the sport. But as you know, though, right, it's not the one player. It's, it's everyone comes. And when you know that, let's say, right, if I strike out, the next guy comes up, don't worry, I'm going to pick you up. Let's pick up Vic. Let's get big, mm-hmm. Vic. We'll pick you. We got you. Don't worry about it. Right. And the team effort comes together. And that's what I love about sports because it taught me a lot about life. And it's the same concept in life where, you know, how do we find that harmony in our relationships with that and stop pulling away from the gender roles of, you know, I love when my wife's like, my can you throw out the garbage really quick? She's like, that's a man's job. I'm like, really? You want to go down these paths, huh? <laughs> so how was it for you then to break away from those traditions? Was there struggle? Did you have guilt? Did you have other things come up in that journey and process to break away, to create your own mold, to create your own life the way you want to do it, beat to the drum and all that fun stuff? Yeah, it was, um, I definitely faced um, um, kind of internal struggle per se, because uh, I wasn't used to that, right? Um, it just really opened my eyes to uh, what's possible. Um, so I kept asking questions like, okay, why do these gender norms exist and how do I feel about them? And if they didn't serve me, um, I need to do something about that, right? So that's what I started to do. And I started to look at the the language. So the Japanese language, especially. Uh, There are certain words, uh, I'm gonna give you an example. So there are a few words to refer to your husband and a few words to refer to your wife. And one of the words that a lot of uh, wives use to refer to their husbands is uh, it's called shujin. And in, uh, so Japanese has Chinese characters as well. And each Chinese character has has two characters and it literally means main person, which means the master of the house. So that, but you can only use that in traditionally um, to refer to your husband. And that's when I, when I realized that I was like, hang on, like, why, why does it have to be the husband to be the master of the household? It can be the wife too. Um, and it's up to the discussion of the couples, right? But the language itself kind of decided um, for, for the couples. Um, and I didn't think that was right, you know, because I, I do believe in equality. And I'm not saying like men cannot be masters, period. Like, 
it, of course, men can be masters, but it, it has to be a, ch a choice-based decision between the couples. Um, so things like that. Um, I became more aware of how to use the language, uh, especially in Japanese, um, in English as well. Like when you try to, you know, when I was in high school, in, even in college, um, you know, when you're hanging out with guys that the quote unquote, the locker room talk, like when you try to humiliate other men, you, you say like, hey, don't be like a girl. You're acting like women. And why being a woman so bad in this society? And it shouldn't be, right? And that's because we, um, um, you know, soci societally uh, look down on uh, women. Um, and that's why I, I feel like those uh, insults uh, are being used. And I realized it. And I'm, I'm not okay with this. I'm going to stop saying these things. Um, so those things that really challenged me and I'm still working on it. You know, I'm not perfect. I call myself um, a feminist, uh, someone who believes in gender equality. Um, and that's, that's my um, uh, important work for me as well, a life's work. Um, and I wanna kind of educate or spread this message, especially to fellow men, uh, because I didn't know until I went through this process and it really helped me realize um, that um, manhood doesn't have to be a certain way. And also like I can promote as, as a man, um, I can promote feminism as a man as well. It's not just a movement that women fight for. It's also, I think every man needs to fight for gender equality because not only it lifts up women, um, I think it frees men as well. And when that happens, it's, uh, it's good for humanity. No, totally. And I think it's one of the things to like, if you look at it from a marriage standpoint or a partnership standpoint or something like that, I always look at it from a business side. And that is, you know, you're two people working together. There are things that I may do better that she may not, but, and, 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 but there's things that she does really well that I'm not great at. And so that's when we like say, okay, you take care of that. I'll take care of this. And we'll, we'll create our roles the way we want to. But I think what the message you're trying to share, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you know you're you're creating your own you're creating your own way of what manhood means to you, and then you're just sharing it with the world, right? And yeah. because it's some, and I, I think that's more powerful in so many ways because a lot of times in society today, um, we're trying to we what we see in like the political realms is like this is what it should be and that's it, and it's just like. Or if you don't do that, you're wrong or you're this or and we do this in life, too. Like you, you, you got to be this way or else if you're not like that, then this is not it. Or if I'm, you know, I'm a chiropractor, so I, I, I preach a lot on health and holistic and all this stuff. And even with like COVID going on and so forth, I've been educating about the immune system. You don't hear that in a nation. You don't hear that in mainstream media. You don't hear it anywhere. And but I think sometimes when you you're you're sharing something that, you know, I'm not saying this is how it all should be. I'm saying, hey, there's another way. Here's a way I'm doing things. Not saying you need to do that, but here's a way if you're open to it, and if you're interested, here we go. Compared to, again, what we see in society is vastly different. And I think that's, I, 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 I appreciate that because it's more of you saying, well, this is how I want to experience it. And this is what I'm learning and this is what I see. And I'm going to be someone that's different, right? Model instead of speak. And you're going to do it in that way, which I'm encouraging appreciating the work that you're doing with that. 
Thank you. Uh, absolutely. So by no means, I'm, I'm saying like, you have to be like me and take, uh, take my, you know, your wife's name. Like that's just one way. And that's my way of experiencing um, what, I, what I found out, what I realized, right? And there are so many, like million, million ways to, to realize the manhood doesn't have to be a certain way. And it looks from every man for every man. It's okay. Um, so that's that's my main message. Yeah, you can find what men is and what success looks like in your life. I love it. That that is, I, I I just love that aspect of it. And we talked a little bit about full potential with gender equality. Uh, dive a little bit into that. How do you achieve your full potential through that process? Yeah. So I'll I'll give you a, a real real time example. So when I was writing this book and I was, you know, preaching about gender equality, how, how feminism is important for men as well. My wife got pregnant um, about a year ago, right? And, uh, you know, we started talking about, okay, so what do we want to do about parental leave? My wife was going to take time off and I wanted to take time off too because I know how important it is um, to ta- for men to take um, paternity leave, right? So if you look at, um, I'm going to back up a little bit before I um, begin my story. So if you, if you look at the, uh, the number of uh, female students who graduate from college, um, it's, it's pretty much 50%. So 50% of the, the college graduates are women now, female students. And they're in, they're in the workforce, which is awesome. Um, and uh, if you look at S&P 500 companies, all the employees, 45% are women. Um, but if you look at the CEOs, only 5% are female. So that means there is a, a huge gap, obviously, like majority of the CEOs of most companies are men. And why that happens is that, you know, in 30s or 20s, 30s, 40s, wherever it might be, um, people, people start to have um, to get married, to have children. And, you know, I've read that w- uh, mothers get penalized in their careers. Uh, the most because uh, most of the time they end up taking some time off of work, but men stay in the workforce and maybe work extra hard because they are pressured to, to do that too. Right. Uh, But what happens is like when the women um, mothers come back to work, they have that gap of uh, not working um, and taking care of children too, after they come back um, to the workforce as well. While men um, traditionally are expected to, kind of really focus on uh, the workforce. So that's why uh, there is a huge gap. Still, there's a huge gap. Um, and, you know, we expect kind of women to take, okay, do you want uh, a family or do you want a career? It's kind of like one way, one way or the other still. It's really challenging. To, I hear it's very challenging to achieve both, especially for uh, women. Uh, but for men, it's actually a benefit to get married uh, and have kids. Um, more men have been promoted that way, and that's how they kind of progress in their careers. So I knew that statistics uh, as well, and I wanted to also spend some time with my newborn son uh, because I, I, I hear, especially the first year, it's like it goes by so quickly, and you're not going to miss it. You know, if you have the chance to take time off, do it. Um, a lot of people told me, and I wanted to do. So I was conflicted in my internally. Um, 
and I want, I, I still wanted to do it. So I actually talked to my employer, um, that I'm gonna, I, I wanted to take some time off and my boss was very understanding and approved my request right away. Um, I asked for seven months off total. So I'm in the midst of uh, paternity leave right now. I'm about halfway into it. And um, it's awesome. The, the joy that I get from this is so good. I, I wouldn't have known if I kept working, probably. Um, so I'm really glad that I did it. Um, and I'm also feeling kind of like, the, um, what should I, how, how should I say it? Like a lot of mothers go through, like when they take time off and like, okay, I'm going to eventually go back to work. Um, what is it, what is it going to be uh, when I get back to work? So I'm starting to think about that because I have about three months, um, uh, three months left in my paternity leave. And I know my job, um, someone filled in my position, which is great. He's doing an awesome job, which I'm really happy for, for him. Um, but I have no idea what it's going to look like because it's going to look very different from how I left it. So I do deal with that uncertainty. Um, but that's something that I need to deal with. Right. Um, so going back to your original question, um, you know, I want, I want to kind of live, I want to, um, take time off of work to, um, care for my child with my wife. And uh, it's something that I never thought about growing up. I never thought about I would taking a paternity leave uh, when I had a child, um, but I'm, I'm doing it, which um, I'm very excited about and grateful for. I think that's awesome. It's very critical. Uh, first year, brain develops, uh, it doubles in size, 90% of the neurons get created in that first year. It's a lot of important stuff. Um, so it's, it's really cool to, first, your boss to let you do that. That's awesome because that's not common in the States. Uh, they're starting to open that up a little bit, but it's mm -hmm. not much. Um, how much do you think, because this is where my mind was going when I was listening to you, is that how much do you think now with COVID and everything going on, you know, in my community where I live, a lot of the people still have jobs. It's just, they're working from home a lot. Do you think there may be, and I'm just picking your brain here. If you think there would be a trend now to where we can break the gap of 95, five, cause it is hard. I would be honest. Like the way the system is developed, it's very hard for a woman to say, I'm going to have my family and my career. Unless you own your own business, I think that is the very, from a corporate America world, I think it just me understanding the structures, and I'm not an expert in this by any means, um, I think it's very hard to do that because you got to take a minimum, what, three months off, um, and then there's needs of the baby, you know, from a, I, I, I don't know, my backgrounds, I mean, I, I have a chiropractic office, I serve 50% of my practice as pediatrics, so I'm very involved with pregnancy, fertility, kids, child development, all these things. And so for me, I'm like, yeah, three months is nothing. That's, that's, that they need more time with them. They need the bonding with the mom and dad. They need the connection. There's, there's so much of the new research coming out that shows that it's critically important for brain development, for personality development, for health perspectives, and so many other things. So you look at all that, the way the system is structured, I'm like, it's not going to work. It, something has to give. But where I, I'm going to ask you this question is that, what if, what if COVID was another way, and I'm just using COVID as an example with the pandemic, people are working from home a little bit. What if that would a solution to the system, keeping the system as is, not changing it unless we change the structure, but keeping the system as is, what if they can just work from home from a little bit as a CEO instead of, you know, making that transition slowly over for them? Would that be one solution to solve that gap? 
I think that's that could be a one solution to yes to solve that gap. Um, I've um, um, I've heard from many parents that they actually got to spend more time with their kids uh, since COVID uh, because they're working from home, right? Um, and at the same time, I think um, you know working from home, especially. Um, so in Japan, our apartments, we have a two bedroom, but it's much smaller than a typical household, like a house looks like here because of the density and all that too, right? So when I, when we first uh, went fully remote with, uh, at my employer, and I was kind of excited, like, oh, I get to work from home. Um, but you're, you know, you're staring at your screen 20, like all the time. And then there isn't much of a boundary between your personal time and, uh, the work life. So I can only imagine um, how hard it can be to to deal with uh, you know a child at, at the same time, um, and I haven't really experienced it, so I I don't know if I'm the the uh, expert to kind of share that experience uh, with you, but I, I I could see that being a solution, and uh, I think the bigger issue is the the system that we have set up. Um, so I, I left out an important statistic or important um, law that Japan has. So Japan, uh, despite the, uh, the gender index gap ranking of 121st out of 153 countries in the world, um, Japan has a very generous parental leave um, for both mothers and fathers. So both mothers and fathers can take up to a full year of paid leave, up, up to a certain amount. Um, so you're entitled for um, up to a year, which is awesome. And uh, naturally, most women um, end up taking it, about 85%, um, I believe. Uh, but only 7% of uh, fathers took it last year in 2019, even though over 80% of men say they want to take it. So that, you know, the gap is the culture, right? The pressure from work, you know, what do other people think about me? And if my wife takes... Uh, time off like who's gonna work who's gonna yes the government's gonna pay but it's you know it's not uh, usually the same amount as the what you what you get paid from your employer so what ends up happening is so I, I did some research on how the Scandinavian countries are doing it because those countries have the, the best gender gap index scores and uh, and I actually have some friends in Norway and they just had uh, a baby and they are um, and other friends in Scandinavia as well and you know I hear uh, both fathers and mothers it's very it, it's expected for both mothers and fathers to take it and because the system is set up that way so that you know there is a uh, not like a social pressure not to take it. Um, and I think that's what we need to create. The first one is a system, um, I think paid parental leave um, extended. Um, I think, I, I don't know like how long is the best, but um, three, six, 12 months. And, um, and then you get compensated because childcare is hard work. It's a, it's a lot of work, you know, and we don't get paid for it, right? Um, and two, it's the culture piece. You know, I think as a society, it's uh, we need to normalize that childcare is you know both parents' responsibility, and you know it's something that um, that's important and also rewarding, right? Raising children for the future generation. So I think those two uh, parts are very crucial.
No, totally. And uh, I think it's some Europe countries too. If don't, I mean, we said Norway, that's one of them, but I think a year, I think one of them is that they offer that and they're starting to extend more for the, uh, the male side too, because it is critical um, to that. As a doc in this world, I would say a year is very much needed um, from a, a breastfeeding perspective, if you're able to do that and all the other neurodevelopmental things. I mean, they've looked at um, just the connection and nurturing from a mother and a father. You know, a lot of people like to look at the nurturing side as just being a mother, uh, but the father has a role too. Um, that perspective alone, what it does to the brain and brain development is absolutely um, night and day of a difference. And so it's really critical. Yeah, I think that's too another way that you can look at it from that perspective to be able to be like, all right, how, how can we make this happen? And unfortunately in America, we have more of a bottom line perspective. It's like, well, what's the minimum we can give and that's it. And then that's the rest of it. But I think there's a shift happening with that. I'm not too involved in the corporate America world understanding, but I've been hearing through the grapevine here and there, they are looking to open that up more. Now they do, I think uh, a dad can leave, I think up to eight weeks or something like that. Uh, some mm -hmm. companies will offer up to 12. Um, moms are now 12. Some of them I've heard up to six months now they're doing. So I think there's that one thing there, there's aspects to it and how that can happen. And I think that if that gets better, I think that, you know, then we'll start to see maybe that gap start to shrink a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I much more so. Yeah. with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, how, when we look at gender, you know, inequality, what are other things besides just the workforce CEO type, that type of stuff? Um, what have you done or you've seen, or you've been aware of that, you know, you're, you're becoming a pioneer and changing the ways or trying to educate, become more awareness with it. Um, I think those are two big things. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's um, like I said earlier, you know, we've, um, I think the society has a pretty good job of empowering girls and women um, to, to be more independent and, you know, be kind of like, you know, a lot of parents are kind of raising their daughters more like sons, but the other way isn't happening. You know, we're, we're not really raising our sons like daughters. It's kind of like looked down on, like, you know what I mean? So I think challenging that, um, the gender norm as well, like it's, it's important for um, our sons to learn how to be more empathetic, you know, how to uh, cope with emotions um, instead of just anger and uh, uh, anger and aggression. Right. Um, so I think, you know, that's something that I'm starting to see as well. So we just had a son and we didn't know the sex of the baby until he was born. So that was a real surprise and it was really fun. And, um, you know, he, he's very emotional. I think every baby is, uh, he cries and he knows he, he's really good at letting his parents know what he needs. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, how much can you cry? Like, are you not tired? And, uh, he's just being himself, being authentic. Right. And at one point, you know, um, and I remember because I was, you know, we were boys and, you know, growing up like, Hey, you're a boy, you, you boys don't cry, you know? We start to hear start to hear that, and then that's when we start to emotions. And we get older; it's the, it's the same thing. Like, okay, man, real men don't cry. Um, just keep your emotions in check. And I'm not saying let your emotions control you. Like that's that's a different story. That's not good. Like, but it's important to feel your emotions. 
Like there was a period in my life, I'm still struggling with this. I suppressed my emotions so much that I didn't feel any feelings for a long time because I associated my emotions with pain, right? And, um, and it's like, what's the point of life? Like if, you're, if you can't feel even positive emotions. Um, so that's something I'm working, working on still. Um, um, and then sharing my struggles with people uh, that are close to me and I realized that seeking help, um, sharing my struggles is a great way to actually connect with others, um, show, show my real self. Um, so I think, you know, that that's also an inequality um, in society that, hey, just because it's, a, you know, this person is a man, it's very binary, right? Like, uh, if you're a man, you have to be, stay on this side of the spectrum, the gender, and it doesn't have to be. You know, not everyone is going to explore the entire uh, spectrum or whatever, um, but it's, it's, it's okay to explore, you know, based on um, just do whatever you want and whatever works, um, go, just, just be that person, you know? So that's, uh, that's what I'm seeing also. I love that. Yeah. I think there's a huge, like from a spiritual side, there's a huge shift in men happening where we're becoming more, we're opening up to the more, the feminine energy, feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's allowing us to connect more with our opposite, opposite self or other species, the female, in other words, mm-hmm. the women, um, because we're able to connect. And that's why we start to see like the modern man, as people like to say, and you look at the role and it's not what the, generation before us was taught and trained on because that was a whole different role that they did. And I think there's, there's times coming where we're having this beautiful harmonious like connection and balance, you know, and it's just like the left brain, right brain, you know, taking it to my neuro side of stuff, you know, a left brain dominant individual majority of the time is a male. There are some females who have a left brain dominant, uh, but majority of times it's going to be a male. And the opposite is true for female. Most of the right brain dominant is going to be a female and very little is going to be left brain dominant. Um, We all have this imbalance. It started, you know, we all have this one side stronger than the other. It started at the age of two. That's when it's like sealed in stone and that's the end of it. And so it's one of the things where I think we're learning how to balance the brain as much as we can. And when we do that, then it relates to everything else because neurology controls everything. So if we can connect as a male, if we can connect more to our right side of our brain, it balances us out. And you talked about full potential. That's why I love the aspect when you were talking before we got on the podcast about gender quality and, and, and finding your fullest potential. If a male who's very masculine, you come from you know Japan and the heritage of that, that's very heavy masculine. I come from Italian culture, same thing, masculine energy, very strong is how it should be. And you learn to embrace the, the feminine side. It creates more balance in you in the long run. You become more connecting to people. You can emotionally understand people better because you're open more emotionally and understand your emotions so much more. So that's why I said I love the work you're doing because it's, it, there's so many layers to it that when we can embrace the other side, same thing for females, right? This is how I need to be. I can't be this. I have to be soft. No, you don't. You can be strong too. You can lead also. You can do X, Y, Z. Just like what you see like in the CrossFit world. I always love when I'm seeing women just getting more into wanting to work out more and you know, looking not to be like men body wise, but they want to have their own thing and they push themselves that way. And I'm like, thumbs up, keep it up. You know, before mm-hmm. it wasn't like that. Women do cardio, men do weights, right? That's how I always used to see it in the weights. <laughs> I've been lifting weights since I was 15 years old. It was always men in the weight room, no matter what gym I went to. And we never saw women in the weight room. We always saw them on the cardio machines. I don't know if you have any experience. That's how I grew up seeing things. 
And that's what my thought was. Women go to the, my mom is an aerobics instructor. She's been doing it for 37 years. She still does it to this day. And it's always fascinating in the gyms. We would see, I would see her class jam packed, all women, maybe a man here or there. And that was it. But the men were in the weight room. And nowadays you can go to a, I go to the gym, still more males in the mm-hmm. weight room, not saying it's not balanced, but it's fascinating to see women starting to show up way more. And I'm just like, all right, cool. This is getting to more because they need to open up too from a to a masculine side, because I think it's both sides that we have to do this um, genders that is um, so that we can find that full potential to really transform the world in the way it needs to be. Um, shoot. I loved having you on with the message and, uh, with everything here, what, how can people connect with you? How can they get your book? How can they follow you and, and, and see all that you're up to? Yes. Yeah, so my book has launched, uh, on December 1st. So it's called I took her name lessons from, sorry, redo. <laughs> um, my book is called I took her name. Um, this one. So it's a lessons from my journey into vulnerability, authenticity, and feminism. And it's available on Amazon. So if you type in my, the title or my name, Shu Matsuo Post, um, you can take a look at it anywhere in, in the world, Amazon. Um, and also you can ch- check out my personal brand's website, which is shumatsuopost.com. And I have a book website, itookernamed.com. And I'm pretty active on my Instagram ha- handle. Uh, which is at Shu Matsuo Post. For the listeners, I'll have that in the show notes and everything. Shu, um, I appreciate you taking the time to share space, to share information with the listeners, and to really just to open and share your authenticity about your journey, where you're going, and sharing your story in the version of manhood, how, how you want to create it for your son, I mean, for yourself, and then also a representation for your son too. So I appreciate all that. And congrats on the son, by the way. I forgot to mention that earlier. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Dr. Vic. Uh, It was a pleasure talking to you. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.